Alright, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. The Bible says, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. The man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore, said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. I want to preach tonight, Working Prophets and Swimming Iron. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to uh, read your word and study it. And I pray, Lord, you'll show us some things to help us understand you better and know your word better and work for you better. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to say tonight that God gives instruction and illustration of a good work in this story. Now, the sons of the prophets were the preacher boys that studied under Elisha. And uh, God's man often influences young men. Young men are looking for something. They're looking for something that gives them some guidance and direction. God help the ones in this generation. Amen. No wonder they're all sitting there playing video games. There is nothing that shows them any direction to do. They don't know how to lead anybody. They don't know how to lead themselves. You sure won't be able to lead anybody else if you can't lead yourself. And you won't know how to lead yourself or anybody else if you don't have God. We say we're frustrated with the young men. Hey, we got a society and teaching them nothing. But here we have working prophets. So these prophets are ready to go to work to get something done. And I've often made the joke that the likelihood of preachers working is about as good as iron swimming. And here you have both happening. Now, these young men decide they needed a bigger dormitory. So instead of asking for a love offering, they decided to go to work and build one. All right, now this shows me that these men have been under the influence of a good man. They decide they're going to build one. Let me tell you about a, a young man that has not been under any good influence and hasn't had any good teaching. He starts looking for somebody to give him a handout. That's what he's doing. Uh, you know what our society is teaching you? If something isn't right, you just go to the government and have them fix it. That's true. Can anybody think of what the problem with that is? Oh, yeah. Who is the scum of society? Who does the Lord say is the basest of men? The heads of government. That's true. Book of Daniel. He says, he setteth over it the basest of men. The worst people, as, you know, as a rule, I admit there's an individual good in there every now and then. But as a class, the worst people in all of the world are the ones with political power. That's in the book of Daniel, in the King James Bible. This isn't my opinion. <laughs> Tell you what the Word of God says. So if you're going to the government to get help, you are going to the worst people on earth, <laughs> according to, to the Bible. And so uh, the best thing is for you to be self-sufficient as much as possible. Do the things you can do and the stuff you're, you're not all that good at. You use people other than government. 
And uh, these young men do that. They decide to go to work and they decide to build, build one. Now, love offerings are good. I'm not against them. They're biblical. But sometimes they're not available. And initiative and industry and ingenuity are blessed by God. Paul said, we, I know how to be abased and how to abound. He could handle either one. He could eat steak and he could eat bologna sandwiches. And he was happy with either one. You know, I got a lot of that in me. I can get plum excited about a bologna sandwich. And I can get plum excited about a steak. I am good either way. Well, hey, growing up, I had bologna sandwiches or salami or something like that pretty much five days a week. And I don't ever remember, oh, a bologna sandwich. I liked them every time. I, I, I can't remember ever not wanting them. That is a good thing. <laughs> now, uh, we've got a couple of preacher boys in here. They came to me and Dad one day and said, we just don't feel like working and we're craving fried chicken. So we feel like we must be called to preach. <laughs> and that's not true. That's not how it happened. But uh, it is good for everybody, but especially somebody that's called to preach, to know you just got to work. That's going to be a big part of your life. And sometimes there's going to be a need and there's going to be somebody there to fill it, and they should. You don't want to... I have seen preachers that try to do everything. Every single... Thing that was needed, they did. And I admired their work ethic. But the problem is, nobody else ever did anything because he wouldn't let them. But then also, there are going to be things that need to be done. There's nobody else available to do them, and you need to be ready to do it then. You need to be flexible. Now, here at Victory Baptist Church, we have an opportunity to work for God. Now, we have some limitations. There are some things we're not all that good at. There are some things we're not all that smart at. Not many. There's somebody here that can do most anything. Praise the Lord. If we'll take the initiative and put out the effort and put thought into our labor with the blessing and presence of the Master, we can succeed. Amen. You just take the gifts you already have and turn them over to Jesus and watch what He does with them. And the greatest illustration of that is the five loaves and two fishes. He just gave them to Jesus. You take what you're already good at and what you can already do and the gifts you already have and give them 100% to the Lord Jesus Christ and just do your best for Him and just thank God for everything He does. So let's look at this uh, story and see the things we can learn about doing a work and doing a work for God. All right, first of all, let's look at the reasons for work. You need to have some motivation for it. One reason that uh, people never do anything is they just don't have any motivation to do it. You try to wake up some days and you just don't really have anything planned for that day and you think, well, what's the use? And just lay back down. <laughs> and if that's your day off, I don't begrudge you that. But you don't need to be doing that every day, do you? The reasons for work. Number one, desire to grow. He says at the end of verse one, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. There ought to be some times you desire to grow. 2 Peter 3 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's a command. Mm -hmm. It ought to be a desire that you have to grow. In order to grow, you're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to put some time in a prayer closet. You're going to have to put some time in Bible reading. You're going to have to put some time in actually obeying what you read. And if you'll do that, you'll grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. We used to sing in Sunday school class. That is a great truth. Amen. Wonderful truth. Uh, one reason for work is a desire to grow. If we're going to grow numerically, there will have to be some work 
There'll have to be some people go talk to some people when they don't really feel like it. There'll have to be some uh, outreaches done. There'll have to be some care shown, desire to grow. All right, uh, number two reason for work uh, is found in verse two. He says, let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan and take thence every man a beam and let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, go ye. Remember in the King James Bible, with you or ye, that's plural. And with thee or thou, that's singular. So he's talking about a group here that's got the Y in front of it. It's got Amen. ye. So he's talking about unity of a group or team building. You know when you'll have some unity? When you're working together with somebody. Some of the people we know the best and have strong feelings for, because we're with them all day, every day, are the people we work with. Psalm 133, 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I don't know who can use that verse as their life verse, but certainly not any Baptist. But unity or team building. Hey, one good thing for you to do is start working with some people to build a, a team effort, to feel like you're a unit, to feel like you have some unity. All right, here's another one. Verses 2 and 3, submissiveness. They said, let us go and do this. They're, they're asking for permission. Verse 3, and one said, be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. How many of you know there are plenty of employees that when they're working do not want the boss around? Yeah. Why would that be? <laughs> I can only think of one reason. They don't want somebody watching over their shoulder that might correct something they're doing wrong or something they're not doing that they should be doing. I have no problem if my boss wants to hang out in my office all day. I'm wide open doing all I can for him. And I tell you the truth, I kind of like visiting with him. I'm good with that. But if I was trying to get by with stuff or do stuff different than he wanted, I can understand not wanting him around. <laughs> uh, in other words, if you get working, you get used to being under authority. If you get working anyway right and if you get working that's not a problem that bothers you but here's the problem somebody has to be the boss somebody has to lead somebody has to actually exercise some authority somebody has to be assertive and if every single time you ever try to lead somebody says you're a control freak you never get anything done you couldn't even build a deck you had two guys over on this side of it fighting over which way to do it and lay things out, and two guys over here on this side fighting and deciding which way they'd rather lay it out and what they thought was pretty. And you'd never get anywhere. Somebody has to say, here's the plan. This is what we're going by. Start nailing. Uh, reasons for work, desire to grow, unity, submissiveness. 1 John 3, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. Here, get, get out the plans and go to work. The rest of that verse says, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. You have trouble getting along with your boss and don't want him watching you? Here's what you do. Do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Then you don't care if the boss is watching you. And I mean your heavenly boss. <laughs> I mean the main boss. I mean the, the, the only boss that really counts. All right, desire to grow, unity or team building, submissiveness. Oh, here's a bad one. Effort. Verse 4. 
So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. I'm pretty sure they did not have chainsaws at this point. Amen. If you're cutting down wood, oh, honey. There have been a few times in my life I got enjoying cutting down wood. And just the challenge of taking down those trees and clearing them out and seeing the progress I was making, I liked it. And I was cutting like crazy. But at the end of the day, two things I noticed. I had poison ivy going up both arms. And I had blisters busted <laughs> over both hands. Not to mention a little sunburn. But I'll tell you this, it was good hard work. I was tired, but it was that good kind of tired, buddy, where I was glad I whipped some trees. <laughs> I didn't whip many, but I whipped a few. But I will say this, it hurt. It took some effort. Uh, reasons for work is uh, you learn to put out some effort. A man that is the man he ought to be doesn't have any trouble putting out effort. Even when the muscles get sore and the sun gets hot. Now, I admit, you catch me in an already relaxed mood, sitting under an air conditioner, drinking iced tea. I don't exactly want to get out there. But you let me get out there a while and get a little mad, a couple of trees in my way, all of a sudden you can't get me to leave. What's happened? I've got a taste for that effort that I'm liking. And that ought to be the way you feel about serving the Lord and doing work for Him. Amen. Philippians 3, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul had already got caught the fever, and he was keeping on going. You know, by Philippians, Paul is a seasoned worker by this point. And he is still following after. He can't quit. I remember one time I was working my way through college and I was running a jackhammer on Robbins Air Force Base. Boy, that was a thankless job. It is hot and humid down there, man. <laughs> Lord help. But about two weeks in, you're just hot and sweaty from the time you've been at work 30 minutes for the rest of the day and for the rest of the next six months, it seems like, down there. And you just get used to it. And one time I was running that jackhammer and busting out a floor, and they said, okay, it's time to go home, time to go home, but there was just a little bit left. And here I was, now granted, I was younger in those days, but here I was being told I could go home and take off, and it made me so mad that there was just a little bit more floor left. I said, just give me 10 more minutes. I'm almost done in here. <laughs> and I've looked back at that before and thought, why in the world, if the boss is telling me to leave, did I not just leave? <laughs> Here's the thing. You get actually wanting that work done. Yeah. You get actually wanting to complete the thing. I can't imagine that when I'm in one of my lazy stages. And believe me, I have plenty of them. <laughs> but that's what happens when you really want a work done. You don't have any problem with putting effort into it. And if somebody tells you quit, you say, well, wait a minute. Let me just finish here. <laughs> effort. There ought to be something you love doing so much that when somebody tells you to quit, you kind of don't want to. That ought to happen once in a while. Absolutely. Effort. I'll tell you another thing. Verse 5. But as one was felling a beam. Here's something that gets kind of intoxicating about it and makes you keep going. Progress. There was a big old beam there. And it was beginning to fall. 
He was filling that beam. You know what will make you quit real quick? When you're working and you don't see any progress. I've had a sorry axe before. And I was hitting and I just really wasn't getting anywhere. And I quit. But when I had a good one, oh, I kept going. You know why? I saw I was going through that stupid tree. I've got, I got to learn how to use a chainsaw. That's way better. But when you see progress, buddy, you'll be ready to go. That'll keep you going like few things will. One of the great secrets of happiness that a lot of people are missing is they've never seen any progress. So what's the use of keeping on working? But when you see that you're getting somewhere, oh, buddy, you can keep going like you can't believe. Progress. These are the reasons for work. Desire to grow. Unity or team building. Submissiveness. Effort. Progress. All right, but now let's talk about the risk of work. Oh, you know why I won't work on computers? Because I'll get experts come in working on it with us. We'll call them in. And we'll say, oh, okay, well, the computer's doing this. And they'll say, oh, no problem. I do this all the time. <laughs> Not on mine, you don't. I don't know how many times one of these guys that does this for a living and has done it for decades comes in and on my computer, he goes, I don't understand it. Always works on everybody else's. I don't know. I don't know. Every single time. Same way with me working on a car. I can change the spark plugs, the oil, and a tire. Anything else, it doesn't work. So I call in my buddy, the shade tree mechanic. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. well, the problem is your, yours are stuck. <laughs> I don't know what it is about my cars and my computers. The people that do it all day, every day, they can't do it on mine. And so when I look and see, not only am I not making any progress, but the expert, and don't get me wrong, Yes, after they spend half a day on mine on something they told me would just take 15 minutes. Yes, they do get it done eventually. But you know what? I wouldn't want me or them to take half a day on it. So one of the reasons I don't do much of that stuff is there's risk. You're risking a lot of time. You're risking a lot of frustration. You're risking skint knuckles and bad words said and things thrown, or thrown across the yard. Yes, I have done all those things. <laughs> The risk of work. Let me tell you something about work. You're going to get in some hard, frustrating situations. Look at verse 5. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. How many of you guys have been working on the car and the screw you was trying to put in fell and got in a place you couldn't get to and you tried to reach in there and it burned your hand? And Oh, man. If you work frustrating things will happen. There is risk involved. No wonder this generation just sits there looking at a screen. If you work, bad, aggravating problems happen. There is risk. Number one, mistakes. I've been putting together some of that furniture, you know, you buy down here at the store and they give you the piece of paper and it tells you all the parts and all the tools you'll need and you put piece A with piece B and all those things. And, and I admit, I admit, their, their instructions are correct in all the times I've ever used them. It's not their instructions. It's just, I, I see it starting to take shape, I get excited, I get in a hurry and I don't read 
oh, but be sure and turn it this way where the arrows are pointing up. And then, and so I put it on there wrong with the arrows pointing down and go and go and go and then get about halfway through and find out i got to go back and take some of it back apart to get it back with the part with the arrow pointing up so the rest of it will fit right. Mistakes! And if you do work in your family and if you do work in your neighborhood and if you do work at your job and if you do work in your church and if you do work for the Lord, let me tell you what you'll do. You'll make some mistakes. And it'll be frustrating. Oh, yes. There is risk with you messing around with work. If you, if you don't want to have some frustrations, you may as well just not work. This guy is trying to fill this big old beam and the axe head flies off into the water. And now what's he going to do? What are you going to do with an axe handle? You can't cut anything with an axe handle. <laughs> Mistakes. Which leads me to number two, loss. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even going to try to guess how many screws I have lost trying to put them in place on the car. I'm, I can't imagine. Sometimes it was over grass and they fell in the grass and I couldn't find them. Sometimes they fell in those little black holes that apparently are in all of our engines because I never found the dumb things ever again. I mean, even even these little glasses I wear, sometimes the little screw will come out from there, you know, and I'll lose the dumb thing and can't find it and can't find a screwdriver small enough to put the... It just. If you're going to do any work, you're going to have mistakes, you're going to have loss. Oh, here's a bad one. A lot of real type A personality people have trouble with this one. If you're going to do any work, you're going to have to depend upon others. <laughs> oh, oh, man. And then they don't show up, and they don't show up on time, and they don't show up with what they were supposed to show up with. And they show up in a bad mood, and oh no. What did they have to do? They had to come and all of them meet together and work on this together. One man couldn't have done it. If you're going to do any work, you're going to have to depend on others. Oh, how many bosses are complaining right now? I can't find no work around here. I can't find no help. And the people that do don't know what they're doing and don't want to work. And Dependence on others. Verse 6, And the man of God said, Where fill it? And he showed him the place. Uh, if you're doing work for God, uh, you're going to need help. You're going to need prayer. You try to do something for the Lord and nobody praying, boy, that's a thankless task. Amen. Uh, as a matter of fact, you better be praying about Two parts prayer to one part work. Because <laughs> it takes God to get through all the obstacles you are going to run into. Health, prayer, money. Somebody's going to have to support the thing. It's going to take some money to do these things. Other people are going to have to show up. You can't pay all of it. The risk of work, mistakes, loss, having to depend on other people, extra time, effort, worry, and resources spent on recovery. I mean, he does recover the axe head. But think about how he felt there for a while. There goes that guy's axe head that I borrowed, and it sunk down in the water. What are we going to do, go swimming? <laughs> and I mean, we're at a standstill if we can't cut through the beam. Proverbs 14.4, where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increases by the strength of the ox. I mean, what if we did? I, I was talking with people the other day here. I was talking about how they started in the book of Acts with 120 people. I said, boy, I'd love for us to about have 120 people in here, about like, you know, they had the book of Acts. 
And that'd be great. And we'd be able to give more to missions and have some more outreaches. That'd be wonderful things. But let me tell you, some other things would go on. There'd be two or three sets of boys and girls messing around in ways they shouldn't, and there'd be a couple of grumpy men fussing with each other, and a couple of women talking bad about each other and making each other mad, and there'd be some kids wild and unsupervised running around knocking something over. <laughs> you get 120 people in here, you'd have some blessing, but you'd have some problems to go with it. How many knows that? Amen. <laughs> I mean, extra time, effort, worry, resources spent on recovery. May oh, it'd be a mess. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. You want to keep a nice, clean crib? Just go home and watch TV. <laughs> but you want to get something done, you have to bring some oxen in. And they're going to leave a mess. And the stall have to get cleaned out. And the food have to be brought in. And the rats get to the dadgum stuff. And all of a sudden, it's everywhere. And about the time you're starting to clean it up, there's a snake in there. I've seen all that stuff. Oh, yeah. That is aggravating stuff, boy. And kids wanting to play in it, and you're wanting to get work done there. And oh, ah, but it's a good work. And when you look back, it's a blessing that you got involved. That's the risk of work. If you want to do something for the Lord, there's going to be heartache and headache. But you just do it anyway. You know why? Because you get the Lord beside you. I don't care what I'm going through. If I got the right company, if I got a friend I haven't seen in a long time, I couldn't care less. I'm with my friend. I couldn't care less. I'm with my sweetheart. I couldn't care less. I'm with the Lord. I couldn't care less. I'm with whoever. The company you keep is a big help to the frustrations of life. And the number one company you need to keep is the Lord. Amen. That's why Granny used to tell Mama, just put the Lord by your side and keep working. Because <laughs> when that's going on, the, the frustrations are there, but they're not near so bad, depending on who you're working with. The risk of work. Now let's look at the responsibility of work. The responsibility of work. Watching. Careful attention. They, uh, they wanted some careful attention. They told the boss, they told the man of God to come with them. Uh, if you're doing work for the Lord, you have to look out. There's a real devil out there that's trying to trip you up. Yes. There's a real world out there that would love to find inconsistencies in the Bible-believing Baptists. Say, see there, you're no better than us. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 5, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Remember when Nehemiah's building that wall and they had a tool in one hand and a, and a sword in the other? They had a Way to fight and a way to work at the same time. And that's what you have to do in the Lord's work a lot of times. You've got to walk circumspectly because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, goeth about, seeking whom he may devour. You have to look around behind you and make sure there isn't a lion coming this way and a lion coming that way and somebody getting you and try to work. It, it's not as fun that way. You can't just concentrate on what you're doing all the time. Responsibility of work, watching or careful attention. Here's another one. Responsible care of others' investments. There's been some people give some money here at Victory Baptist Church. We need to make sure it goes into the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it was given for. Yes. There's some other people invested here. God has lent us the tools. Others have entrusted us. To whom much is given, much is required. Luke 12, 48. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. 
For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required, and to whom men have committed much of him they will ask the more. Hey, look, let me tell you what's been given for me and you. The blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can you think of anything more precious than that? Amen. That's, that's number one in worth in the substances found in our whole universe. Uh, some things have been given for us. The responsibility of work is watching or careful attention, responsible care of others' investments. Here's a great truth. Carelessness breeds helplessness. If you're careless about how you're rearing your children when they're 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, then when they're 19, 20, and 21, you'll be helpless. There's nothing you can do. If you don't set some things in place while you've got the window of opportunity, there will come a time you don't have any influence at all. And that's true in a number of places. He got careless with that accident. And guess what happened? Now he's helpless. It's fell in the water. No way in the world to get it. Unless somebody does something supernatural, and thank God they do. The five foolish virgins, remember, that didn't get the, didn't get the uh, oil for their lamps? They had a chance to, but they were careless about it. Now, here comes the bridegroom, and they're helpless. They can't even see where they're going. Carelessness breeds helplessness. If you are careless, you will soon be helpless. Think about things. Uh, here's another one. Losses should be painfully apparent. When you're doing the work of the Lord and all of a sudden He's not there helping you, you notice you're not getting anywhere. I have been there. When you're cutting a tree and the axe head is gone, now what are you going to do? Chew your way through it? <laughs> I mean, your loss is painfully, painfully apparent. Let's talk about some lost axe heads in Christian work. Number one, top number one, submissiveness. If you can't submit to authority, God can't do anything with you. Not anything. It's like trying to cut a tree with the axe head gone and you with nothing but an axe handle. You'll be there a long time if you're stupid enough to even try it. Lost axe head, number one, submissiveness. You know, I've heard old timers say everything rises or falls on leadership. Dad did a real good adjustment to that saying. Everything rises or falls on submission to the right leadership. If nobody's submitted to that right leadership, what good is a perfect leader be? Do you? And of course... The church is the perfect example of that. We got the perfect leader of the Lord Jesus Christ. How come we're not in the middle of a great revival? It ain't the bad leader. Somebody isn't submitting to him. Amen. Number one, lost axehead. Submissiveness. Here's, here's a good one. Thankfulness. If you're not thankful, you won't even get to step two. Submissiveness. Thankfulness. Prayer time. If I could pick one sin, I've often said, if I could pick one sin I would fix of this generation and to a large degree my own self, it'd be the sin of prayerlessness. For some, it might be Bible reading and Bible study. For others, it might be a burden for their souls in the work of the Lord. For others, it might be a lack of love for the brethren. They lost that accident. Somebody did them wrong in church. That was it. 
Goodbye, Jesus. Somebody did me wrong and misunderstood me and said something bad about me. Good night. So out goes their love for the brethren. Out goes their axe head and nothing's going to get done. Spirit power. Spirit power. You know what the spirit is opposite to? Your flesh. So the more you please the flesh, the less you have the power of the spirit. There goes your axe head. Separation from the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now you try to go get some work done with no love for the Father. Oh, there's some lost axe heads. Maybe this is why the Lord made him depend on a borrowed axe head so he'd cry out for help and not just quit. If it was his axe head, he could have just went home and said, well, I tried to help but lost my axe head. But it was borrowed, so he had to do something, else he's going to have to pay that guy back. And If he's a normal preacher, he's a little too poor to do so. That's the responsibility of work. All right, now let's look at the restoration of work. Maybe I'm talking to somebody tonight. And you used to do some things for the Lord. And you lost your act to it. And it flew off in the water. And you can't get it. What do you do? Maybe it's been a while since you worked. Maybe it's been a while since you started cutting your way through a beam. But that's what happens here. What does this preacher boy do to get restored to work? Number one. Tell the master. Look at verse 5. The end of the verse. Alas, master, for it was borrowed. Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Go to Jesus and say, Lord, I've lost my axe head. I can't get anything done. I haven't been able to in a long time. Help, Lord. Amen. Tell the master. If you don't do anything else, tell the master. You know what I'm real glad of in this story? I am real glad that they went to the master and said, Be content, verse 3, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. You better keep the Lord Jesus near. You know why? You're going to lose a screw that you can't find. You're going to lose an axe head that goes in the water. You are going to need Jesus if you're trying to do anything for him. Tell the master. Number two, remember, the master can do miracles. I didn't say he always does, but he can. Amen. You tell the one that can get it done. He doesn't always, so take the attitude of the three Hebrew children. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. We will not worship your image. And our God that we serve is able to deliver us. But if not, we will not. So you tell the master. And you remember he can do a miracle if it's his will. Tell you something else I notice here. He said, where fell it? And he showed him the place. A lot of times, the Lord restores you to your work at the place where you quit on Him. That's a good point. Sometimes it was at home in your Bible reading. You know what you need to do? You need to go back home and start reading your Bible again. Sometimes it was in your prayer closet. You know what you need to do? You need to go back home and start praying again. 
Sometimes it was in a good work you were doing, and you just wore out. You know what you need to do? You need to go back and start working. Sometimes it was at church where you got mad. You know what you need to do? You need to get back to church and get things right. When Mary and uh, Joseph figured out that they had left Jesus, you know what they did? They headed right straight back where they left him. When Jacob got back in fellowship with the Lord, you know where it was? When he got back to Bethel. Sometimes you need to go back to where you quit on God and start up again. He often restores at the place of loss. When the prodigal son got in trouble, where did he go back to? The father and the home that he had left. Amen. He often does it that way. He restores your work at the place of loss. But I'll say this. He restores while expecting obedience. You are going to have to do something. He doesn't say, and put the axe head back on there for you. He said, all right, it's swimming. Now you reach down there and get it and put it back on. You are going to have to obey. You know why? Because as Daddy says, everything depends on submission to right leadership. And if you got trouble with that, well, Lord, if you can make it swim, go ahead and put it back on for me. You got a little trouble with authority. If you got a little trouble with submitting to leadership, if you got a little trouble with obedience, you are not going to get anything done for God. Amen. He restores it while expecting obedience. You know what this guy did? He put out his hand and took it. <laughs> put out your hand and take it. All right, what did we see tonight? We saw some young men who wanted to do a work. They sought the blessing and presence of their master. They had incentive. They worked hard. They were not perfect, but the loss they suffered was restored by the master that they were careful to keep near. Now, let me tell you something. If you decide you want to take on a ministry and you want to work for God and you want to witness and spread the word of God, I hate to even say this because I don't want to discourage anybody, but you're going to run into some frustrating setbacks. Oh, yeah. Some lost people aren't going to appreciate it. Some Christians are going to misunderstand you and say some things that make you mad. And people that you're counting on aren't going to show up or aren't going to show up on time and aren't going to do things right. You're going to lose things you was counting on and have to do it, you know, halfway when you was counting on being able to do a full job of it and something will be lost that you can't even retrieve and there will be some heartaches because there's a devil out there trying to stop you. Yeah, yeah. But you keep the Lord near and watch him show up and get your axe head back out. And if he doesn't do that, he'll give you another job. Provided you can stay obedient and submissive to him. The old hymn says, Give of thy sons to spread the message glorious. Give of thy wealth to speed them on their way. Pour out thy soul for them in prayer victorious. And all thou spendest, Jesus will repay. It will cost you. I mean, let me tell you what it will cost you. It will cost you sometimes everything you got. But you know what we're counting on? We're counting on the Lord paying us back. The other song says, Going forth with weeping. Sowing for the master, though the loss sustained, our spirit often grieves. When our weeping's over, he will bid us welcome. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. You'll come rejoicing, but some of the loss you make, 
you suffer between now and then, we'll often grieve you. What was that song we sang? I think it was this morning. Uh, or it might have been this evening. Sorrow's paths I often tread, but the Savior still is with me. By His hand I'm safely led. In the story of the Good Samaritan, the host of the inn is told, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. One thing I do when I'm verifying an account at work is we'll check a credit report and we'll also make sure that funds are available to build this house. <laughs> uh, let me tell you about God. You don't ever have to call his banker and verify that funds are available. <laughs> okay? He's good. <laughs> you are covered there. You know what you need to do? You just need to be sure you're obeying him. I promise you, he's got the funds. He can repay. If he doesn't repay, it's because it wasn't his will for something to get done. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to read your word. We thank you for the things we learned about doing work for you. Lord, I pray that Victory Baptist Church would want to work for you. Lord, it's an honor to work for you. I 